Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Port Deer Hats Nation in style by gearing yourself up with some DPN merchandise over at teesprings.com slash stores slash DPN. We have left the link in the description of this YouTube video and on the podcast. Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And we're back. Yes, we are. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my boy, Connor. And welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast here on this Wednesday, July the 14th. We're very excited of all of you joining us here today. Thanks to everybody who's downloaded the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to everybody who's listening on YouTube. And thank you to everybody who watches our videos over on Newsbreak. And we want to thank all of our Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club members on Patreon. Guys, for only $5 a month, you get an exclusive Patreon web cast from Sunday through Thursday, access to the live recording of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, and an exclusive live stream every second Friday when you join Connor and I on screen. We don't have any tiers. It's only $5, so come check out the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club at patreon.com slash DPN Sports. We've left the link in the description. Yeah, buddy. we got a very good show lined up for you tonight. We're going to look at all of the Patriots headlines that you need to know today, including is week four's game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Patriots Super Bowl. Reports are projecting the Patriots starting quarterback between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. That's right. More quarterback talk. Dion Branch came out and responded to Cassius Marsh's comments about the Patriots. PFF shows that the Patriots have a real red zone threat this season. And don't be surprised if J.J. Taylor pops up in training camp. Connor, how are you? Are you ready to go, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm ready to go. Ready to rock and roll here on this Wednesday evening. And Connor and I want to say that we are thrilled to be a part of the News Break team. And guys, when you download the News Break app, the free News Break app from the link that we left in the description, it will actually directly support Dear Pats Nation. You can stay up to date with all of our content and all of your local news for free by downloading the News Break app from the link that we've left in the description. So Connor, Ryan Whitley of Chowder and Champions says it always comes back to Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. And this season, it seems to always be. Let me just give you a quick tidbit of what he said. He said, at this point, we all know for the last few years of the dynasty, it became Bill versus Tom instead of Bill and Tom. It became a competition instead of a collaboration. And while the Patriots are much improved from last year, they realistically are not a championship level yet. This year's Patriots may very well be good, but it's unlikely they'll be great. Bill knows this, and it means one thing. Week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the Patriots Super Bowl. 
Oof. Connor, I, before I even give my take, just right off the hop, what do you what do you think about this take? I know that you and I have discussed this. Uh, I'll use the word ridiculous reaction to the Buccaneers versus the New England Patriots. I hope this isn't the Patriots Super Bowl because if it is, that means they have no hopes of making the playoffs and they're not going to be a legitimate team this year. I mean, a week four uh, game, regardless of the opponent, regardless of all the headlines that it's going to make, it should not be a Super Bowl for either team. So I, I, I think it's going to be obviously way overhyped, but it's just going to be another game for the Patriots as far as week four goes. Yeah, and I know that Patriots fans um, and the mainstream media, like the Skip Baylesses of the world, the Max Kellermans, the Shannon Sharps, Stephen yep. Smiths, they're going to want to make this game all about Brady versus Belichick. And look, I get it. Oh, I yeah. understand it. It's a very compelling story we do know that it did go from and i kind of like that it went from you know bill and tom to bill versus tom we all know the tensions the dynasty revealed it that's actually why i'm looking forward to seth wickensham's book to see what other little bombs are going to come out of that and little tidbits that are going to come out to talk about that growing tension in new england you know between the greatest coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time Uh, and i think a lot of patriot fans are going to build this game as a super bowl like game and I also believe whether it's right or not, and it's not, there's going to be a, there's a lot of Patriot fans out there and probably just a lot of NFL fans in general who like to just generalize things and not look at the big picture, who are going to believe the winner of this game will be the winner of the Bill versus Bella or the, <laughs> the Bill versus yeah. Tom debate, which is absolutely ridiculous. Just the same way that Brady winning the Super Bowl last year with an all star team did not mitigate what he did with Bill Belichick and say that it was only Tom Brady that made the Patriots good. Right, exactly. And I know we're going to have to hear that about whoever wins this game is the winner of the fake, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing. And I've talked about it before. I know we've discussed it. And it's like both teams are going to want to win regardless. I mean, two of the most competitive people in the history of the NFL are probably Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They both want to win. I'm sure, yes, they're playing each other. There's a little bit of added pressure. But at the end of the game for both of them, it's just a week four game. I think this is going to be way more blown out of proportion by the media. And at the end of the day, it's really not going to have an implication much on either team's season next year. Yeah, and you've mentioned a couple times that it's just a week four game. And at the end of the day, I want you as a Patriot fan and every Patriot fan out there to tell me the last time we took a week four game very serious. I mean, shout out to our boy nah. Tyson over at Master at Work. He Every time the Patriots lose, he says, I don't care about meaningless regular season games. The Patriots right. season starts in the playoffs, and we've seen that time in and time out. We've seen the Patriots lose week four and be two and two to start a season and go on and win the Super Bowl. They think they did that back in 2018. So, yes, I understand the implications. I understand the storyline around it. I understand that you and I are probably going to talk about it to death because that's going to be every headline in the world, and it's it's what's sexy, and it's what's going to get the clicks, and it's, right. what, it's what people are going to be engrossed in and they're going to want to hear about. At the end of the day, though, I think it's absolutely positively ridiculous for anybody, especially a member of the media like Ryan Whitley, somebody who I somewhat respect uh, around the Patriots media to be talking about a week four game being the Super Bowl for the Patriots. Right. I mean, yeah, it's also uh, we're in the middle of July here, so I think they got to bring up something and what better to talk about right now than, you know, the week four Buccaneers Patriots game. So PFF dropped a tweet yesterday that said the Patriots have an actual red zone threat now. And that threat is Jonu Smith. And I think for a lot of Patriot fans who 
uh, have been dying for a tight end since Rob Gronkowski retired and then unretired and went to the Buccaneers. But I would even say the prior year of Rob Gronkowski in 2017 when he got over a thousand yards because he was a bit of a shell of himself in 2018. Definitely. And then, of course, we went through the Ben Watson, Matt Lacoste, Devin Asiasi, Dalton Keene era, yep. uh, right. Ryan Izzo for both yep. those years as well, era of tight ends in New England. Of course, Belichick goes out, signs John U. Smith, signs Hunter Henry, two elite tight ends. We're, I think that we're fairly now starting to make the Gronkowski and tight end that we will not mention comparisons, whereas last year we sort of unfairly made those comparisons with Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. I think this year is yeah. a much more realistic standpoint. Uh, but let me read these stats to you, Connor. John U. Smith in the red zone in 2020 amongst all tight ends. Remember, a team that was predicated on running backs and wide receivers. It wasn't built around their tight ends. Right. 88.5 uh, receiving grade in the red zone. First amongst all tight ends. Eight red zone touchdowns. Second amongst all tight ends. Another weird thing is, is I think I saw a stat that came up on Twitter the other day that I, Jonu Smith has the most rushing yards amongst all tight ends as well over the last few years. <laughs> that's, if, a, if, that's a good thing too. If you recall, prior to um, doing some heinous things and no longer being, I guess, a citizen of the world, let alone a New England Patriot, uh, the Patriots would line up Aaron Hernandez in the H-back role and he would run the football they and did. he would do a lot of funny things. Yep. Uh, can you see... John U. Smith playing a similar role as Aaron Hernandez on the field, on yes. the field with the, <laughs> on the Patriots on the field. Absolutely. I think that's a very good comparison. Um, I'm very excited about that. Just hearing those stats, because that's exactly what they've been missing the past two seasons. And it's been blatantly and painfully obvious for us as Patriots fans. There has just been no red zone presence, especially out of the tight end position, which is obviously a big spot for, you know, the red zone. And now that they have John o. Smith, who's not only going to be you know, uh, a good tight end. He's going to be a very, very legitimate red zone threat. It's going to make a world of difference for the Patriots this year. And that's exactly what they've been missing the past two years. And, and to answer that question as well, I think he will get a few carries. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if we see him running the football a couple times. I'm just excited about a little bit of creativity in the offense. I'm just excited about red zone presences because, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, the red zone's been absolutely just pathetic, let's say, for right. two years. It has, yeah. I think it was during the playoffs against the Titans two years ago when Brady was the quarterback and they had it was, like, all, it was awful. Remember they had a first and goal? Yeah. And they ran the ball three times. Yeah. Or they ran it four times. They went for it on fourth yeah, down. Yeah, they, they went for it on fourth down. They did, and they didn't get it four times. And Sony Michelle couldn't get it. I think the fact now that you have a legit red zone target in Johnu Smith, you've got Hunter Henry, you've got Nelson yep. Aguilar that can go up, you've got Cam who can run the football, assuming that he's the quarterback. I think that it's gonna be it's it's very exciting. Right now, and you got you got Stevenson and uh, Damian Harris who can pound yes, the football. Who like can it, pound it, that football in? I think it's going to be a complete one eighty, and all of a sudden they're going to be very good in the red zone. If you're a New England Patriots fan, don't expect the Patriots to be running the ball three times in the red zone. No, no, not anymore. Unless Josh McDaniels really doesn't know how to use his players. Right then, then we'll really jump on Josh McDaniels. So Brad Crawford at twenty four seven Sports wrote uh, that there's reports projects that the Patriots starting quarterback between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Here's what he wrote. He said, Cam Newton is back for another season, notes ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington, and he's the favorite to take first team reps when the Patriots open training camp this month, saying, quote, tricky one here and my instincts keep me wanting to go Mac Jones, but I'm going to say Cam Newton, Darlington said during Wednesday's appearance on Get Up. 
I just don't know there's enough time for Mac to take the job, especially given the precedence that Bill Belichick set back in 2000 when he had four quarterbacks, the fourth of which was Tom Brady, and he made him work his way up the depth chart before giving him the job. I think Cam starts week one. From there is anybody's guess. That's been your prediction this whole time going forward, too, that Cam Newton is going to be the starter week one. I don't yeah. think we need to get into it. I don't want to get into bashing Cam Newton, as people like to say, because I've been doing that for a week, and you have too, and we outraged people on Saturday with our, our Saturday clip. So let me just throw out to you, what does Mac Jones have to do if he wants to try to push Cam Newton for that starting job week one? Absolutely light it up. I mean, I, I've been saying the same thing about the the whole time that I expect uh, Cam Newton to be the starter week one. The only way that I see that not happening is if Cam is very bad and Mac Jones is exceptionally good. I think if they're both neck and neck, Cam's going to get the nod as the starter quarterback week one all day. Um, it, it's it's going to have to be blatantly obvious to the point where the entire team, Josh McDaniels, Robert Kraft, everyone knows that Mac Jones looks like he's a lot better than Cam. Because if it's if it's close, if it's neck and neck, I think they're going to go with Cam all day. So he he has to be absolutely stellar to win the job week one, in my opinion. Okay, let me throw a different scenario at you. What if Cam Newton is really really bad? Yeah. Like what if he is most of last season Cam? What if he's the San Francisco 49ers Cam Newton? Okay. And Mac Jones is decent to good. I think that's kind of similar to what I was trying to say is like it, 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 he's got Cam, Cam oh, not Cam. I'm, uh, not, Mac I'm not Jones. saying I'm, Mac I'm is being spectacular. Right. I'm not saying because you said he's got to, you know, he's got to shine and be spectacular. He's not being spectacular. He looks decent to good. It's it's got to be it's got to be one extreme or the other. He either needs to be spectacular or Cam needs to be so bad that Bill Belichick just knows he can't put him out there week one. Um, I think anything in between, either he's ab- he looks absolutely phenomenal or Cam looks absolutely terrible. Anything in between, I think Cam's going to get the nod. But if he's that bad, I think he's going to have no choice but to throw the rookie out there. What if Cam looks good and Mac looks great? I think Cam Newton will be the start of week one in that. I think even if even if Mac looks really good, I think he's still going to go with the veteran. I think he's still going to give Cam Newton the benefit of the doubt. Do you think regardless that leash is short for Cam? Definitely. Definitely, because if they know that Mac Jones looks good and they're confident in him and they know that he can come in and start running the offense and – you know, they've obviously spent a lot of money. They've invested a lot into this offseason. They have a ton of talent out there. I can't see them getting to the point where they're two and three or they're three and four and then still going forward with Cam Newton if he's struggling to win games for him, knowing they have can't knowing they have Mac Jones. I mean, and waiting in the wings. I, I think the leash will be short. I've given my opinion on how I feel about the situation, as you know, and I've been pretty loud and clear about how I feel about the Patriots offense this season but I'm gonna throw out there this that I can't really make the prediction I'm gonna tell you why because Bill Belichick has taken a little bit of a different approach and a little bit more of a collaborative approach this year at least in the offseason that seemed to be his ammo I, right. I don't know if that's going to continue as the coach or if that's just going to you know now it's we're back to football operations this is what I do well I don't need collaboration but we've heard that that little beef between Belichick and Bel and and, and McDaniel's yeah. right. McDaniel's is a Mac Jones guy. Belichick is a Cam Newton guy. If they're going neck and neck, do you think 
uh, McDaniels would be able to put enough pressure on Belichick? Do you think he'll look at him in that sort of collaboration? Or do you think that, you know, Belichick is like, hey, man, I collaborated with everybody up till now, but now I'm the iron fist. I, I don't. I still think Bill Belichick will be the iron fist at the very end of the day. I think he's been more collaborative with everyone else than he's ever been in this offseason. But I think at the end of the day, whatever he says is what's going to happen. So I'm sure he will listen to Josh McDaniels. I'm sure they'll have discussions about the quarterback and everything as a whole on the offense. But at the end of the day, I think it's still going to be whatever Bill Belichick says goes. So Phil Perry of NBC Boston Sports says, don't be surprised if J.J. Taylor pops up in training camp. And he said, a crowded as the Patriots backfield may be, there's an opportunity available for J.J. Taylor this season. If the Patriots want someone who can provide a change of pace as an early down runner and a dependable set of hands as a receiver, Taylor could be the choice. With a more typical NFL offseason to show off what he can do, Taylor could carve out a role in a crowded depth chart this summer. And you and I have been big fans of J.J. Taylor. We, I referred to him at least as a spark plug. I think you yep. agreed that he was a bit of a spark plug. And I, when I was reading this whole article, Perry made a really good point. And he was discussing like Woodhead and Burkhead, a lot of heads, uh, yeah. Burkhead, <laughs> Woodhead, how, you know, uh, uh, Shane Vereen, yeah. right? Those multifunctional backs, those sort of Swiss army knives. And when you look at Sony Michelle, when you look at Ramondre Stevenson, even though they say he's good with his hands, he's still more of that early down running back. But you look at Ramondre Stevenson, you look at Damian Harris, even you look at James White, who's not really a runner. He's more of a receiving third down tight end. They don't have that Rex Burkhead type of guy. And right. I'm wondering if that's what pushes JJ Taylor. It's again, and I think that Belichick has a love affair with Brandon Bolden. He loves his special team play. It's why I think Michelle could actually be on the chopping block, you know, for a via trade or a cut because you know, it's going to be Damien Harris. Okay. We don't yep. know about Ramondre Stevenson, but fourth round pick, you assume yeah. he's going to make the team. Yeah, definitely. Right? We know James White is going to make the team. Definitely. And then it comes down to, okay, if you take Sony Michelle, then is it JJ Taylor or is it uh, Brandon Bolden? Because yep. you're not going to carry six running backs, but if you want that special team prowess of Brandon Bolin and a guy who can take early down runs and your Swiss Army knife and JJ Taylor, you could be sending Sony Michelle packing. They, and that could be a definite possibility. I mean, it, they've made it clear that Sony Michelle isn't part of the long term plans, in my opinion. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. Damian Harris was taking the majority of the snaps last season when he was healthy. Then they went out and invested a fourth round draft pick into a running back this year. I mean, Basically, everything they've done has shown that Sony Michelle isn't going to be a long-term plan for the Patriots. So essentially, he would be a one-year rental for this year, and they'd give him some carries and use him in whatever capacity they wanted to. But it seems pretty obvious that they don't have plans for Sony Michelle being any part of the Patriots offense in 2022. So if that's the plan, I mean, why not look into Brandon Bolden or J.J. Taylor if you know he's obviously not going to be a main component of the running backs for them? All right, and our final story of the night is NBC Sports Boston. Dion Branch responded to Cassius Marsh's comments about the Patriots. And this is what he wrote. He said, Cassius Marsh wants to make one thing clear. He did not enjoy his stay in New England. Now, Connor and I did talk about that in a lot of detail, both on Newsbreak and in the podcast. Uh, that brief tenure really doesn't sit well with Marsh, who claims the organization treats players like, quote, crap. Dion Branch disagrees. New England isn't for every player, Branch said Tuesday on early edition. 
New England is not the place you want to go and think you're just going to play first and do your work later. No, it's you work first and then we play. And as far as playing the game in New England, I do not agree with him on that. I never had a situation where myself or any of my teammates felt like they were mistreated. And then Eminetra, I don't know if you ever heard of Eminetra, they wrote, referencing his tenure in Seattle after the 2006 trade, Branch said that he wanted to leave New England at the time, but eventually wanted to play for Belichick again. Quote, I was traded and had the opportunity to test the other side of the water. Branch said, going to the Seahawks. It wasn't the same. Uh, I was begging to return. I went back to New England and enjoyed my second stint, end quote. And I think that that's a huge sort of, I think that's almost vindication for for the Patriots and especially more more in particular Bill Belichick at this point, Connor, because sure. when you look at the situation, you have Cassius Marsh, yep, 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 yep. Danny Amendola, yep, 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 yep. You had a lot of different Patriot fans going out, talking smack, not the other S word, smack yeah. about Bill Belichick, talking about it being hard not getting enough lunch breaks, whatever that may be. I mean, I guess Tom Brady didn't eat lunch for 20 years. Poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, this is almost vindication because this is a guy who left New England, wanted out of New England because they weren't giving him the money that he believed he deserved, went and played for Seattle. Right. And then basically begged to come back. And then when he came back, he was just thrilled. And I think he stayed for another couple of years. So obviously did, yeah. there was a love affair in New England. And and Dion Branch could have came out and said, well, I wanted to play with Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. That's what some players will do. He was like, no, I wanted to come back to New England. I wanted to play for Bill. Is this vindication for Belichick? Like, what's, what's your just thoughts on everything that Dion Branch just said in comparison to Cassius Marsh, who played nine games for the Patriots, has nothing but bad things to say ever since he was cut. And and that's my exact point. I mean, this guy played nine games in New England. He was there for, you know, probably less than six months, even including the preseason and the, the offseason. He has little to say about – he has a lot to say about New England, but he has little experience to go off of. You know, Dion Branch is a guy who played for New England for a number of years, and he's also at the point now where he's pretty well removed from the NFL. He's been probably retired for, I want to say, five-plus years at this point. He could really come out and tell you exactly how he truly feels – with no repercussions because he's so far removed from the game. Yet he instead, he came out and said exactly what I think he believed to be the truth. And he did nothing but enjoy his time in New England. And, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing a lot from and listening to a guy who has so little to go off of in New England. So I'd much rather listen to Dion Branch. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Dion Branch brings a lot more intimate knowledge of the New England Patriots. And like I said, like other guys have kind of left disgruntled i guess right. you call it like michael bennett yep being one of those guys and i don't think we we were no we weren't podcast partners at the times i was still working in my office we hadn't moved into a pandemic yet uh because i remember recording the video in my car about the patriots yep. trading for michael bennett but when we think about that michael bennett trade that was a walking disaster and right. i was so excited for that move like i thought we knew that belichick liked him forever marty his brother was fantastic Super successful, yeah. While he was a Patriot. We figured Michael knew what he was walking into. And we're like, okay, great. It's going to work out. And it didn't. He gets sent home. He gets suspended. He gets traded to Dallas. They go talk to him. They're like, hey, man, are you upset with Belichick? And he's like, no. He's like, it didn't work. It wasn't a fit. This was best for both of us. He's like going to playing for Bill Belichick and playing for the Patriots was like going to football university. And and he's, you know, I've got nothing but respect for that organization. Maybe that's because of what his brother accomplished. I don't know. But so when I look at a guy like Cassius Marsh, I'm like, you number one have played for like seven teams in the NFL. You haven't even played a game 
game for your current team. And then you got a guy like Michael Bennett, who's a Super Bowl champion. Yes, he was a bit of any, and, and Michael Bennett has been a troublemaker where he's went. He left Seattle right. in not great conditions. I think he was what in Tampa before that. He left in not great standing order. And yet he leaves New England and with a lot of respect between him and the coach. I just think that there's too many big names defending Bill Belichick. So guys like Cassius Marsh and Danny Amendola and Deion Lewis are kind of being just kind of pushed to the side. I mean, was it Matt Light that said that Danny Amendola sounded like an angry little elf? (laughs) Yes. I mean, and that's the exact thing. It's a lot of, you know, low end players who no, weren't necessarily here for a long time. Danny Amendola kind of was, but the rest of the guys were brief stints on the map. They were just little blimps that never really accomplished much. Weren't and here th- for a long time. They were here for a good time. They were here for a good time, exactly. And I'm sure uh, if if Marsh wanted to stay, he could have won a Super Bowl, that's for sure. But he wasn't having enough fun. He wanted to go play his uh, Dungeons & Dragons or whatever it was. Magic, magic. Magic, magic. Dragons, okay. My daughter plays Dungeons and Dragons. She quite enjoys the game. Connor, she might be offended that you made fun of him for it. I did, I did not. I just said that he was doing that instead of playing football. Uh, between the two, I think he should have chose football. That might have been one of the disgruntled uh, things between him and the coaching staff. All right. That's all the headlines for today. Thank you for everybody who listened on the podcast. Don't forget that you can check out some more exclusive Dear Pats Nation content by joining the DPN Loyalty Club by going to patreon.com slash DPN Sports. Come see all the stuff you're missing. As soon as we cut off this podcast, we got a whole lot more that we need to talk about that only the Patreon members are going to see. Also, don't forget to check out our content on Newsbreak. We've left the link for you to download in the description. There's no hidden fees. It's all free. Get all your local news, Dear Pats Nation content. When you download the app using the link we provided in the description, it directly helps and supports us. So please use that link. Click on it. Down. It takes two seconds. Connor, how long does it take to download the app? Two seconds. Two seconds. You click the link. It goes to That's the store. It. You click download. Whatever you got to do. For me, it's facial recognition. Maybe for you, it's a, a fingerprint. For people like Lawrence, it's old school. There's no locks on their phone. You know, he's doing on a, I don't know how he downloaded the app on his rotary phone, but good for him. <laughs> Lawrence, good for you. Uh, we appreciate all of you, man. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, until tomorrow, I just have one more question to ask, everybody, or ask you, Connor. Tell me about those Patriots. Legit, kid. Support for Dear Pats Nation is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Visit Manscaped.com and save 20% plus free shipping when you use the code RAYROUTE. Connor, how do you spell that? R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H. And get your hands on the very best male grooming products and save 20% plus free shipping using the code RAYROUTE when you visit Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And also support for Deer Pats Nation is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Barber Company. Check out the Rocky Mountain Barber Company by visiting RockyMountainBarber.com and save 5% using the code RayRoute when you purchase your small batch male hygiene products made with natural ingredients. Visit RockyMountainBarber.com, save 5% using that code RayRoute. Connor, one more spell. R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.